Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Hey, welcome to Renew Life Church. My name is Keith. I'm the campus pastor here. I especially want to welcome all of our first-time guests. And maybe if it's your first, second, third time, we want to welcome you here. So church, come on, let's give them a big hand clap. Like you mean it. We're really glad that you're here. And uh, today is going to be a today's going to be a good day. Today's going to be I'm about to preach an amazing message. How many of you believe in the power of your words declaration? I'm just can I just declare over myself? I'm about to preach the best message I've ever preached in my life. You're going to be wowed, not by me but by God working through me. Okay, here. It's like some of that's a little prideful. I'm like I'm talking about God. I'm talking about God. <clears throat> now, if you have your Bible, open up to Romans chapter five. Um, Man, I, I really, I'm, I'm always excited about what I want to preach on. I always believe it's going to make a change in your life. I'm always believing that you can take what you hear today and actually apply it literally the second that you leave from here. Um, that, is, that is just one of my goals. That is one of the, the filters that I preach through and even prepare through is I don't want to just preach some concept that just feeds your mind and you feel good about, about knowing something. I actually want you to take what you hear from this platform, and I want you to do something with it. I hope that it affects your life. I hope that it affects the people around you. I hope that you can use it. I hope that you can influence people with it, that you can preach it, that you can re-say it. Um, that, that is the goal. Come on, how many know Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this, that, that, the, that God, that Jesus actually gifted the church with, with, with five different gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And their job, my job, is to equip you for the work of the ministry and to bring you into maturity. And I'll just go ahead and throw myself in there. I need to come up into maturity as well. So a lot of times when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself, all right? I really believe this message today is the foundation for everything that we do in life. This is where it all starts. This is where it all begins. This is everything that you need to know. This, this is the, if I could say it this way, this is the juice. This is the juice of Scripture. You'll know what I'm talking about in here in just a moment. Romans chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Amazing portion of Scripture. This is Paul talking to the Romans. He's talking to us. And in here in Romans chapter 5, he begins to describe to us the difference between the law, the religious law, and the grace of God. He begins to to, to describe what it it looked like to live in the law. He he grew up in the law. Paul grew up. He he, he grew up knowing more than all of us combined. He could quote scripture. He could quote the Torah. He knew the law. In fact, he persecuted the Jewish people, the followers of Jesus. He would persecute them based on the law. Then we know all, all know about his experience. Jesus appears to him, completely changes him. And, and here in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, we see Paul trying to figure out and describe to the best of his knowledge the difference between the law, living by the law, and living by grace. Even so much to see his experience in it. It's, it's, it's fascinating. He says things like, I, I don't do what I want to do, and I do the things that I don't want to do. Who can save this wretched soul? Anybody ever felt like that before following after Jesus? It's like, I want, I'm not doing the things I want to do, and I'm doing all the things I don't want to do. I, how does this thing work? 
And here he, he, he describes this, and he uses a, um, an analogy for us to grab a hold of as I'm talking. Um, I, you need to know this little part. He begins to describe, uh, he, he begins to compare Adam and Jesus. He begins to compare what Adam brought into the earth as compared to what Jesus brought into the earth. Romans 5 verse 17 says this, For if because of one man's trespass, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It is good. I appreciate you saying that. I think more people should have said that's good. It's so good. There it is. <laughs> Let me read it again because this is an amazing, I, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. This is actually an amazing scripture. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, come on, say much more. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace in the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Did you know that you were, you were made to reign in life? Not just reign in your spiritual life, not just reign in your, follow, in your process of following God, in your journey of following God. Paul said, those who receive grace and righteousness, that you will reign in life. All areas of life. He goes on in verse 18 and says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, that being the one act of Jesus on the cross, the one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The many will be made righteous. Last week we started a new series that I'm entitling Made to Reign. Made to Reign. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about different areas of our life and how to reign in different areas of our life. But it all starts with actually this one statement, and, and I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to tell you what this statement is. But before I do, I'm wanting us as a community, I'm wanting us as a church to, to believe this statement, to grab hold of this statement, and I want this statement to absolutely consume you for the next four weeks. I'm giving you really clear direction right here. For the next four weeks, I want you to think through this filter. I want you to think with this phrase in mind. When you wake up, I want you saying this. I want you I, maybe even write it down, put it in your car, put it as a wallpaper on your phone. Do whatever you can to literally, every part of your being needs to be consumed by this one statement. This one statement is this. I am made to reign. Come on, I want you to say that. Say, I am made, I am made. to reign. Let's say it again. I am made, I am made to, reign. to reign. Hear me today. You are destined to reign in life. Because of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus, you are destined to reign in every single area of your life. Everything that you touch, everything that you look at, everything that you're a part of, Every, every part of your life, you are called to be, let me use another word, you're called to be successful in. I didn't say it. Paul said it. 
Jesus, Jesus said this, I came to give you life and life more abundant. What was he saying? He said, I came that you would reign in life. That means that we are destined to be winners. Someone say amen. We're destined to win. We're destined to overcome. We are destined to have victory. We are destined to be successful in our marriage. We are destined to have great marriages. We are destined to actually know what we're doing with our kids and to raise them in the way that they should go. We're destined to be healthy and whole, to have influence and make a difference, to defeat defeat the sin in our life and live in freedom. Here's one for you. We are made to live in joy and happiness, not anxiety, fear, and depression. We're made to reign, made to reign in this life, which tells me this. If we are destined to reign and we are destined to be successful, that means we are not destined to be unsuccessful. Whoa, blew your mind right there, right? Well, you need to hear it. You are not destined to have an okay marriage. You are not destined to have an average relationship with God. You are not destined to to deal with a little bit of sin in your life. You're not destined to get over most of the big stuff, but still deal with the little stuff. You are not destined to live a life full of fear and worry and anxiety and always wondering and always walking around wondering if lightning's going to strike you and if something bad's going to happen to you and if you're going to make another mistake. You are not destined to live that way. Because you're actually destined to reign. You're actually destined, you're actually made. You're made to be, some of y'all, don't, I'm going to keep preaching until you believe me. You're made to reign in life. This is, this is what Paul was, was trying to say. Let me use this word. Jesus, Jesus did not die on the cross so that you could cope. He didn't die so you just cope with stuff. He didn't die so you could be average. He didn't shed his blood so that you could somewhat fulfill the call of God on your life. No, he died and, was, and rose again. Why? So that you could, literally him raising from the dead was a sign of victory. That death couldn't even hold him down, so it can't hold you down either. Everything, well, everything falls under that death thing. Not, nothing greater than that, right? So, 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 if, if he beat death, that means you can, beat, uh, you can be successful in your job. You can be successful in your marriage. You can be successful in every relationship that you have. You can, you, even though you don't think this, you can be smart. Someone needed to hear that today. I don't know where that came from. You can have wisdom past your age. You can actually do something great in this world. I'm talking you are made to reign in life. This is what Paul said. Let me read it to you again. He said, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus. I said this last week, and I want to say it again. We cannot have more faith in Adam's disobedience 
then faith in Jesus is one act of obedience. For us to think that we should live less than and at a, at a lower level would be, we would not say that we believe this, but it would be to put more faith in Adam's one act of disobedience than Jesus' one act of obedience. No matter our experience, no matter what we go through, no matter what life has to throw at us, no matter what we experience in life, Scripture is more true than our experience. Today is about you coming up to a greater level. Today is about you coming up to a higher level of thinking. Now, I want to throw one disclaimer out, which I don't really want to do, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Say it. I'm not saying that we won't go through crap in life. I'm not saying that I don't understand that people are on a journey. I'm not, I'm not even saying that. I'm not saying I don't understand that sometimes all you can do is just cope. Here's what I'm saying. That's not the destiny for you. You are not called to live in that. You may experience it, but you're not called to live in it. So today, I want to jump off of there, which that was worth coming to church just, just for that right there. But I want to jump off from there. And I actually want us to, to talk about how do we operate in this knowledge of reigning in life? Like how, how do we actually begin to, to, to live in this day by day, go into your job and the relationships that you, that you have? I want you to take this message and I want you to think about this. If he told me I was going to reign in life, what does my life look like right now and how can I reign in it? How do we actually experience this in our life? Do my best to, to kind of to get us to that answer. Today I want to title the message, Right Believing Leads to Right Living. Right Believing Leads to Right Living. Would you pray with me? Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for this time. And we put our focus right on you. We realize that today we can do nothing without you. In fact, even remind us of that today. We, we're nothing without you, but we are everything with you. And we just depend on you today, God. We depend on you today, Jesus. Open up our minds. We receive today. We have a posture of receiving, like Blake has said. We receive today all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Um, I believe this is probably a lot of you in here. How many of you have ever been in a really high-pressured situation before? Just any, any it's okay, most, most people in here. We know what it's like to have a lot of pressure. Maybe that be something in your job. Uh, maybe it, it was a decision that you were about to make and you, you knew it was a, a really big decision, a lot of pressure. Maybe you found yourself, uh, like I'm about to share, you found yourself in a, in a place where you, you weren't allowed to really make a mistake. If you, if you made a mistake, it was going to cost you really, really big. <clears throat> you know, this... Um, I Many of you know my journey of playing in the NFL. I got to play for two years. I bounced around on a couple uh, teams. I want to share just two experiences that I had with you today and, and kind of go from there. Um, my second year in the NFL, I, I was uh, picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they, they signed me to their practice squad. And uh, kind of what that means is I would go in and I would run the, uh, I would run the offense that they were playing that week. So I would literally look at a card and I would get with other players and we would, we would perform that card for our defense to make them better, to get them ready for the game. I'd only been there a week. Um, literally, I was, the, I was the third string quarterback, so I didn't get very many reps. 
And this was one of the first times I actually got into, into practice to do something. And so I get in there, I read the play, I break the huddle, I play quarterback, so I break the huddle, we go up there, line up, I get the ball, I'm sprinting out to the right, my guy is wide open in the end zone, there ain't nobody else around, I let it fly, and that's exactly what it did, it flew, not to him, but to just nowhere. <laughs> and I completely overthrew him, completely missed him, I should not have made that mistake. I mean, he was just wide open, and the ball just got away from me. It happens, right? So... I'm thinking, that's what I'm thinking, it happens. And so I'm walking back to the, uh, to the huddle, and one of the coaches, he said this just loud enough really for me to hear and anybody close. And um, he, said, he said something to the effect of, come on, Noel. He said, you, you, make, you keep making mistakes like that, you won't be here long. And immediately the pressure went, Phew. I realized on this team, I've been on some other teams. I realize on this team, you're not allowed to make those kind of mistakes. I realize on this team, that coach is going in to the after practice and going and telling all the other coaches what I did or what I didn't do. And, and, I, and I realized that I was, gonna, I, was, I was in a culture where the mistakes that you're not supposed to make, if you continue to make them, if you make them one more time, your butt's probably gone. And here's what else, I, what else I realized and what I knew. I was going to make another mistake just like that. And that's not a lack of faith statement. That's not, come on, man, you got you to believe better. I don't know. I'm just being real. I know me. I knew the player I was. I, 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 know, what I, I know what I do and what I don't do. And I would make that mistake again, which then told me my butt's not going to be here very long. When that happened, I realized this is what I felt and this is what I think. These are the thoughts going through my head. I actually don't belong here. I'm not good enough to be here. I better watch myself. I better not make a mistake. And can I just say, it was some of the most miserable weeks of my life. So much pressure. Every day going to practice, like, I did not want to be, I hated the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was like, please cut me. Never mind, the paycheck's kind of good. Don't cut me. I'll suffer for a little bit longer, but I don't want to be here. And just walk, it's like I was walking around on eggshells. Oh, but I also remember what it was like my first year when I got drafted by the Rams. And I go to St. Louis. And what I love, see, here's a good thing about being drafted. When they draft you, that means they picked you. And they should have known what they picked. They probably had a real, real good idea what they, what they picked. And I realized when I, when I was with the Rams, they knew I was young. They knew I was green. They knew I had a lot to learn and that I was going to make a lot of mistakes. And there was a lot of grace and a lot of mercy for me just to walk through that journey, making a lot of mistakes so that I could learn. But they were willing to do that. And the Lord reminded me of this story when I, was, when I was in St. Louis. I'll never forget. It was one of the first two days I was there. They loaded up all the rookies into the van, and we started driving to the hospital to go get physicals and get all checked out. One of the trainers was driving us, and I was sitting in the passenger seat. And as we're driving, you know, he's in all his Rams gear. It's just Rams everything. On the radio, he has talk radio going on all about St. Louis Rams. It's a local station. And all of a sudden, they start to talk about me. He's like, oh, Keith, Keith. He's like, I was sitting in the front. 
oh, Keith, they're talking about you. And he began to turn it, turn it up. I was like, no, no, turn that down, please. I do not want to hear what they might say. And he turned it up. And this, these radio show hosts, they were just, they were excited about me. They were talking about how big I was, how strong of an arm I had, how much potential I had. They already kind of knew that I was a Christian. They were, they were hoping I was the next Kurt Warner, which I was not. But they were hoping and they were believing. And I mean, they just really talked me up. And I remember sitting in that seat going, oh my, oh man, this is for real. This ain't, this ain't small town Texas. This ain't small D2 college ball up in Amarillo, Texas. No, no, no. There's people talking about me. There's people who know me. And there's a lot of people who like me and want me to do a good job and actually believe that I can. You know what I thought while I was there? I began to have these kind of thoughts. I, th I think I might be good enough to be here. I might actually belong. I might actually be, like, like for real, Keith, you might. These are the real thoughts going on. You might be good enough. Like, I know it's the NFL, but, like, you might be able to hang with these dudes. I share those two stories with you. Because... I'd ask you today if you could maybe even put yourself in my shoes and put yourself in the story. And when it comes to your relationship with God and it comes to your, you walking this thing out with God, following after him, when you think about what God thinks about you, what statement do you hear? Do you hear, hey, if you make one more, state, one more mistake like that, you won't last long? Or do you hear God bragging about you on the radio? What do you hear? When you think about the thoughts that he has about you, when you think about how he actually feels about you, do you walk around with this, with this pressure? Like, <clears throat> do, you, do, you, do you think that like, oh man, if, if I make one more mistake, I am, I am one mistake outside of losing the destiny on my life. Missing the calling, miss being used, miss being a real Christian, miss actually living a life of fulfillment and success. Like, like what, is, what is the thought life when you think about God, when you go to him in prayer, when you worship him, when you, when you come on Sunday and you, you get into that first song, what do you have to get over in order for you to lift your hands? Do you deal with that condemnation? Do you deal with that mistake? Do you deal with that shame? Are the first thoughts that come in be like, man, I didn't listen to one worship song all week. Lord, forgive me. And you go through this whole routine. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? You go through this whole routine. And by about midway through the second song, you're like, <laughs> this is about all you feel worthy of is just like a half waist height. Not even a, not even a, you can't even turn your hand over yet. You're just here. Like, Lord, I can't praise you. I just need to receive forgiveness. Do you walk around like you're walking on, around on eggshells? Do you walk around folk? See, when I, was in, when I was in Jacksonville, my goal was not to play football. It was to try and not make a mistake. That was the mindset that I have. Are you walking around in your Christian experience? Are you walking around trying not to make a mistake? Because if you are, can I just tell you this? You're living wrong. 
I don't mean that as a condemnation statement or shame. I want you to know there is so much more than you thinking and living that way. You want to know why? Because Jesus already bought and he already paid for and he already forgave everything you, you did that you will do, that, that you're doing right now and you will do. All that is already taken care of. Why are you thinking about it? Where do you find yourself? Are, do, you, do, you, do you think that he's actually bragging about you? You think God ever looks over at Jesus and be like, hey, Jesus, I know you've been praying for them. You just continually pray for them. I kind of like them too. Look at my boy, like, he has so much potential. He's going to get up today on this Sunday. He's going to preach an amazing message today. Watch this, Jesus. Watch this. Watch when he goes to work. He's going to influence five people today just by walking around the way that he's walking around and thinking and talking like he talks. Watch this. He's amazing. Look at her. Look at my daughter. Beautiful. Smart, wise, feisty, kind of like that about her. What do we think that God thinks about us? Hear me today. This is, this is, why, this is why I'm trying to, to, to get this point across. It's because of this. Because what you believe will determine the outcome you get in life. You need to hear that today. You need to let that sink in. What you believe will determine the outcome you get in life. Guess what? In Jacksonville, I did not flourish. In St. Louis, this is, not, this is not just a statement I'm making because it goes well with my message. This is the truth. I became the best football player I'd ever been in my whole life. I really was. That's what happens when you know that you belong. That's what happens when you begin to realize, oh, I might be good enough. That's what happens when you begin. See, see you have to believe. You, it's, it's right believing leads to right living. You don't, you don't get there by acting good. Many of us think like, oh, man, if I, if I, if I do all the things right and I, and I kill it here and I kill it there, you, you, you think then success will come to my life. Can I, let me just tie all this together. You have to believe right to reign in life. You have to believe right to reign in life. It doesn't mean that you need all the wisdom in the world. It doesn't mean that you need to know every single scripture. It doesn't mean that you need to quote no less than be able to quote from memory 10 scriptures. When you can do that, you can reign in life. No, no, no. That's not what scripture says. It says that when you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you reign in life. Let me bring it up. I want to bring it up. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Look at this. This is how we reign. If you were just to take Scripture and let Scripture tell us how we reign, not our experience, not how we feel, not how we think, this is what Paul said. He said, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Let me just, we're going to do something together, okay? You ready? This is how you reign in life, like this. I want everyone just to put your hands out like this. Just put your hand just like you're receiving something. Stay right there. This is how you reign. This is how you reign in life. An open posture 
to receive. Anybody like to work with tools in here? Yeah, a couple of you guys. You don't reign in life like this. No one even has those saws anymore, but anyway. <laughs> That's a big saw, by the way. What are we, what are we cutting? <laughs> Sorry, I, got, I can't move on from the saw. <laughs> we go to tinkering. We think reigning in life looks like you doing, you know, you having the, the, the perfect tool to do the thing that you need to get better at. And we go to working on our life, working on our mouth, working on our thoughts, working on our emotions, working on our relationships. Hear me today, go like this again. You want to know how to reign in life? Boom, right there. This is how, this is where it all starts. It starts with receiving. You receive everything that Jesus did for you. How do we receive? How do we receive? We receive by believing. Let me, let me just kind of, let me, let me break this down for you. <clears throat> in order to reign in life, we receive. In order to receive, we believe. In order to believe, we speak. I say that one more time, and I'm going to move across the stage because I feel like it, it helps. In order to reign in life, you receive grace. You receive your righteousness. What does it mean to receive? It means to believe in the grace of God. You are so, we have to get so convinced that we are amazing that we'll begin to reign. You have to convince yourself that you actually reign in life. You have to convince yourself. You know what grace is? Grace is the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor of God on your life. It's God's favor. When we receive his favor, when we actually convince ourselves, we believe so much that his favor is on us, guess what? All of a sudden we come over here and we, we begin to reign. You say, well, how do I get to this place where I'm, I'm convinced? How do I convince myself of the grace of God in my righteousness? Easy. You start reading and you start confessing. You know what you believe most? The thing that you're feeding on most. You know what you believe most? The thing that you're saying the most. You know what you believe, the, believe most? The thing that you're, that you're talking about the most. If you came to this service and I were to just sit here and say for 45 minutes, you're righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. You are in right standing with God. Doesn't matter what you said, what you've done, how many times you've messed up. You are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. First of all, you'd get really annoyed. But if I kept saying it, eventually you'd be like, throw your chair up. All right, I get it. I'm righteous. In fact, that's going to be my next message next Sunday. Just come. I'm going to say three words. You are righteous. What we hear most, we begin to believe because faith comes by hearing. Belief comes by hearing. That means we hear what the scripture says and we hear what God is actually saying right now today. 
all of it produces faith in the right direction. So here's what, here, here's, if I can get this across, here's what I'm saying. You need, if, if you need to back all the way up to here, you need to start reading and you need to start listening to every podcast on grace. You need to start reading everything there is about grace. You need to read about your righteousness until you are so convinced that you are righteous, you actually believe it. And when you believe it, you will start to reign. I believe one of the greatest motivations to us reigning in life is defining our life by who we belong to. It's by being so convinced of who we belong to. We're so convinced. Wow, I belong, I belong in God's family. I'm an heir of the Most High God. I'm a son of the Most High. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. It's the most motivating, encouraging thing that enables you to, to reign in life. Because when you actually grab hold of the fact that you're a son, you actually grab hold of the fact that, his, that God's favor is on your life, you start to approach life completely different. You approach your marriage different. You approach your kids different. You approach yourself different, what you think about yourself you actually think good about yourself. It changes everything. Oh, but one of the biggest challenges to us reigning in life is defining our life by our mistakes. Defining our life by our actions. How many times we got it right? How many times we got it wrong? How many times we did something? How many times we did not do what we were supposed to do? And we begin to define our life by our actions. You know what that actually produces? It produces the same thing that I got that produced in Jacksonville for me. It produces a mindset that says, I don't belong. God, you can't use me. My mistakes are too big. I can't have a lot of influence, maybe a little, but not a lot. When we define our life by our mistakes, some of, some of us are so convinced. Hope I'm preaching to somebody in here today. Some of us are so convinced that we are what we do. We are what we do. In the kingdom and in God, we are what we do. You are so convinced by that. Can I just say this? It's not true. It's not true. It is not true. God does not define you by what you do. He does not define you by what you did. He does not define you by your thoughts. He doesn't define you by your temptations. He doesn't define you how, by how well you think you've done. Some of y'all been, y'all got a past on you. And for those of you who don't, you're, you're putting all your stock in the fact that you don't have a past. Guess what? That ain't good enough either. It does not matter how good you've been. It does not matter how bad you've been. Your actions don't matter when it comes to who you are in him. His action does. Some are like, oh yeah, but... But I, 
I've lived life. I've seen some stuff. I know it, it, what, what, what we do counts. What we do matters. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that. It's just not the greater truth. You want to start being a better husband? You know where it starts? It starts with your belief. I am a good husband. You want to be a good dad? It doesn't start with you putting them in all the stuff and providing all the things. It starts with you believing, I am a great father. You want to have the answers for your kids, moms? You want, you want, you want to be that mom that, that has the wisdom to pick out things and know when they're going through something and have the right thing to say? Guess where it starts? It doesn't start by you following them around 50 feet behind them and doing whatever they're doing. Knowing where they're at all the time. You know where it starts? It starts with you believing that you are a fantastic mom because of Jesus. Jesus said, raise your kids up in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. Why would God tell you to do something he did not equip you to do? Answer, he wouldn't. Sorry for my sarcasm this morning, but I'm a little heated about these, these, these mindsets that we have that say we are not good enough, that we, we, we don't deserve this. Hear me, it starts with your belief system. What do you believe? You're a son. You're a daughter. The favor of God himself. The God. Anybody, got, anybody been favored by someone before? Anybody ever have a friend that works at a coffee shop or at a restaurant and you walk in and they slip you a free latte? And you literally think you've conquered the world. Got a free latte today. There's three shots of espresso in it. Didn't pay my five, six dollars. Got it for free. What's up? I know people. Oh my gosh, that is a drop in the bucket to the favor of God. You're favored by God. Share, share really quick. Shared this with you months ago. I had this vision one day as I was preparing a message. I just, that's kind of a fancy word for just saying, I just, I had this picture coming to my mind. And I saw this man, I could tell this man was homeless. His, he had holes in his clothes, they were dirty. Um, I just knew by the spirit as I was getting this vision that he had dealt with drugs and a drug addiction. He just had had a rough life and a rough past. I even saw where he had walked the streets, where he had slept. I knew he hadn't eaten very much and he was just kind of in this daze. And all of a sudden I saw this same man and he was in the middle of a mansion. In the middle of this massive mansion. And as I, as I saw him there, I began to realize, oh man, this mansion was bought for him. If he, if he, if he knew, he, if he would just walk upstairs, there's a bathroom that he could get cleaned up. He has a whole wardrobe in there, perfectly fitted clothes just for him. Even if you were to walk downstairs in the garage, multiple cars waiting for him to drive and a driver's just sitting there waiting to drive him wherever he wants to go in town. I knew that if you just walk through this little corridor and push open this door, there was a whole kitchen full of all kinds of food and three or four chefs just waiting in there for him to cook him whatever he wanted. It's like all this was just kind of happening in his vision. 
But I began to see through this man's eyes. And as I looked through his eyes, I realized he had no idea he was in the mansion. He didn't even know he was there. Not only did he not know that all that stuff was available to him, he literally didn't even know he was in the mansion. You know where he saw himself? He saw himself on the street. As he looked around, it was like he couldn't see the reality. The real, there was a greater reality to him, and it was his past. It was his mistakes. It was that street that he grew up on that he, he got addicted to drugs on, and he was just walking around not realizing, hey, buddy, you live in a great... I've literally picked you up and placed you into a new environment, and you can't even see it yet. And the Lord began to show me, this is how many believers live their life. They don't realize they're in a mansion. If they, re- if, they, if they actually grab a hold of the fact that they're in the mansion, they don't believe they can go and open whatever door that they want to. And we've limited God. I need you to open your eyes today. I need you to grab a hold of this statement. You are made to reign in life. You are made to defeat that depression. You are made to have a great marriage. You are made to be a great parent. You are made to have unbelievable relationships. You are made to live in, 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 in prosperity financially, to have all that you need and even a little bit more to have fun with. You are called to prosper and reign in every single area because you belong to Jesus. You belong to him. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.